Hi, everybody. Grace Chronicles. Three. Um, <clears throat> this might be a two-parter. Mm, here we go. I have a... Isn't it so annoying that when you have a finger that is injured, which, by the way, this was one of those hangnail things where in the middle of the night, it, I could feel it, and I just went, eh, and it was like... And I have an Avengers because I don't have kids and I buy fun things for myself. Anyways, I don't know why I said that. First of all, I just want to say, guys, I'm having so much fun. I just got done with an interview uh, with a past Grace person. I'm having so much fun. This is just such a great time. So... I don't know if anything will come of this or what the hell ever is it is going to be. Um, I just know that I'm doing it. So I have taken so many notes and so much stuff. So let me kind of like go back and see. Um, I felt the need that I needed to. Goodness need to organize these i can feel that freaking virgo okay so i have and i i want to go over the grace book <clears throat> i'm going to be 100 percent honest with you it got real fucking boring so i uh i don't know if i'm I'm going to like just tell you what I know so far, which maybe I should just do that. I'm just going to do that. So <clears throat> this is the book. And I've taken notes from like where I'm at so far. And I I literally have read through everything. It's just not important stuff. Like it's it's really not. Um, okay. So, but I, I, I need to go over it again. So I don't know if this is an ADHD thing or whatever, but sometimes when something does not pull my interest, it takes me a long time to do it. And I just accept that now. So this is what we get. <laughs> so the, the, the book is called The Story of Grace by Paul Coleman, K-U-H-L-M-N. M-A-N-N. -N. Um, it was A Brief History and the Founding and Growth of Grace College of the Bible, 1943 to 1978. So see, this is way before my time. But <clears throat> this is how it came to be. And I got the gist, I feel. Um, the the main things that I was kind of getting out of it is that there was this group of 10 Mennonite important men from all over the United States that they checked out all these different churches. They went to different Mennonite things. They, they went to different schools, different, like, <clears throat> like different great Christian schools, whatever, different Mennonite things. And they hated them all. So they would meet up, I believe it was once a year for a while, 
and I mean, when the grace thing was going on, they met up a lot more and ended up moving and all that, but they would meet up like once a year at the Flatiron Hotel. And just so happened one time they were reading the newspaper and saw that a Presbyterian Presbyterian seminary just was put up for sale. So it just it was a just so happened thing that that that's that's where that happened. And they were in Omaha, Nebraska. Because they would meet up because, you know, it's right in the center. But this guy, that, so whatever, when it comes to figuring out like, hey, I want, we, like, whatever. They went to meet these people. All comes down to like, yep, we are going to take this. We're going to do this. Um, and somehow they finagled their way of only paying $100. Um, then they sent out flyers to every single church, blah, 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 that they went to and all, every single possible one you could, you could even think of churches, people, whatever. Um, and that brought the students, brought the people. They hadn't even paid for the pay place. They had no idea how they were going to pay for the place. They had no money. and. They just wanted to start a school that trained men and women, which is an interesting thing, because I went into this thinking that, that it just started with just men, because that's a very Mennonite thing. But this all gets very fishy when money got involved. So bringing in the money they were like okay we need to have women because we need to be able to have more men so let's train these people to be mennonite to teach them the mennonite whatever and then go out into the churches and that's how you that's how you lead your churches that's how you whatever <clears throat> excuse me they got away with this um and i say got away with this not in like sorry guys that's my whatever um they got the the i don't know how what mm, i don't know how to word it but i want to say that they chose they had to choose it to be non-denominational to get more money but they didn't do that they still taught mennonite but said they were non-denominational i went there in 2003 this is 1948 or 43 or whatever so I just needed to kind of say that that yes there was changes that happened throughout the years yes the blah 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 but this is what it was founded on, and this is really, like, the meat of it. So, um, and it was all based on those 10 guys. So, anyways, yes, they brought all the students before they could. And they didn't even have fucking teachers, guys. They had just had these 10 people. So, the school um, 
ended up going against everything that the Mennonite like institution, like brethren, I wanted to say that word, but I learned what that we learned in the Jeremiah episode that that's not what it means. So the Mennonite, like big people, whatever, um, it went against everything that they were all about. So they told all of the Mennonite churches and yeah, all the Mennonite people, because it's very close knit, that they were against this university, that they were against this college or whatever it was called back in the day. So they wanted absolutely nothing to do with grace at all because they wanted to be non-denominational because of money. So apparently they had, <clears throat> excuse me, 23 students show up from all over the United States and maybe two teachers were there. And all of them had to start cleaning up the place, getting the place ready. They didn't even have, like, they didn't, they knew, they didn't know what they were doing. They just had to clean it to be, make it livable, you know? Um, so reminder, they've only paid a hundred dollars so far. And when it fully opened up on registration day, they had only paid a hundred dollars and they didn't really like collect money from the students at that time. Uh, they had collected a thousand dollars from people because of the Oklahoma board of Mennonites. They, the Oklahoma board of Mennonites was the one that I was talking about before. They were the ones that spread, do not support this, blah, blah, blah. So that's all they had collected was just the thousand dollars. Um, so yeah, no churches, whatever would be able to like financially support them. And, uh, they had convinced the landlord at that time to let them be there in the school for six months before they tried to pay the remaining $24,000. Hang on. I need to do this conversion. I don't know how to do that. What do I type in? Conversion money to today's money. Please, Google, help me. <clears throat> oh, inflation calculator. <laughs> There's words for it. <laughs> uh, okay, so this was in 1943 to now. And this says it was 24,000, 24, calculate. Wow. Oh, I just want to like puke about that. So anyways, that's, that's, <laughs> this is the vibe that is happening. These people, what the fuck was I doing? Where was that? Okay. Um, <clears throat> these people only paid that a thousand or the hundred dollars and they convinced the landlord, Hey, can you please let us stay here for six months for free? So they got, they had to figure out a way. They were like, I don't know what to do, whatever. Well, they ended up figuring out that there was a radio station that was very close to this college. 
and um, it was a Christian radio station at the time, and they decided to air the first like church service over the air on Sundays. In this church service, they asked for donations. And they never had to struggle again. They didn't start charging tuition until 1948 to the students. And it was only $50 a semester. Hang on. $946. So like $1,000. $50 is $1,000 right now. Ugh. A semester. Okay. So another thing that they got away with, um, they ended up figuring out that if they went to school through the summertime, uh, because it was like a Christian university, they could get away with that and go to school during the summer. Um, they also got out of being drafted um, in the war times. Yep. So they just made up the rules as they went. Teachers just started coming. There was a lot of like stories about like, oh, we had to have this person for a while. And this president was here for a long time. And that's like, it, it was just, it's a lot. It's a lot of interchangings and constant people in and out. That's why it got boring to me because this is weird. Like, Everything was built on weirdness. Everything was built on, um, well, let's just say, like, it's a, almost, it's a lie. It's a lie. Grace University was made to be a Mennonite college. But was labeled and publicized as a diverse non-denominational university like the bible part wasn't supposed to be that big of a deal it was like a okay i'm gonna go to school here but also learn about the bible you know <clears throat> so the reason that so many things that got a little bit weird, I think, and maybe that's why our particular timeline of humans that I'm talking to um, turned out the way that they did is because the professors have such humongous turnover rates because a lot of them can come from UNO and teach and do night classes or whatever. And I had a I had a guitar teacher that just he didn't, I don't even think he taught anywhere. I, I literally saw him at Vallas playing the guitar, busking at Vallas this last summer or two, a couple, whatever, last two years ago in October. That was my guitar teacher. So they would, I'm not sitting here saying like, oh my God, they would take whoever, but I had a bowling class. 
Anyways, it was a bowling class. And it was just like, we just went and bowled. Oh, and also guys, like for me, just to think about that right now, because this was before I had back surgeries. This was before I was attacked. This was before so many things. So just me going bowling and having fun. That was so much fun. Oh, and we went to that one that was just right down the street from Grace. It was like on 13th. Yeah, it was on 13th. I might want to say that it was like Frank's or something. I don't know. But anyway, so you would get anybody is what I'm kind of saying. Like they just put people where they could or whatever. You get different views, different, all of that. You kind of got what you got. Um, you also had to have minorities. And that had something to do with the funding. And in, in a interview coming up this week, um, we're going to find out a little bit more about that. All the students were non-denominational, um, which is really weird because when I was looking at the actual, like, uh, handbook online, they listed, like, everyone's uh, denomination. So the year that I went there, every single person, and there was, like, 15 or something that were unknown. I guarantee I was unknown. How the fuck do you know when you are 18 years old that you are claiming your whole life? I am going to be a Lutheran forever, you know? And then that is the purpose of going to Grace. I get that for a lot of people. I got it. Like, I, I fully went there in my freshman year going for youth ministry. And I met a lot of those people. And then that's when I went to media or radio or whatever. And then they dropped it. And learning from Jeremiah that that's what they went. That's when um, they paired with Iowa Western. And I just didn't want to. There was something in me that was just like, no. How weird, because here we are 20 years later, and I just got done working for the last four years with Spigoli anyways. <laughs> and I ended up being, like, he's an amazing human. But he was one of the main reasons that I was just like, I can't. I don't want that. This is the music that I listen to, and I would love it. But I needed... I needed a challenge at that time. And that's why I went to Grace. Huh, that's weird. Okay. <clears throat> um, A lot of things that were, uh, when I was reading through the book, it was talking about how students also were non-denominational. They would accept anyone, whatever. Because they had to. Um, I don't, I don't fully understand the funding. I don't really understand it. Don't know why I can't find things on the internet. I don't like it. Um, I have yet to scratch the surface of YouTube right now. Uh, but if, yeah. So I know that there, that some, there was a day, it was like a day of prayer. And I remember that 
Um, but I think that that was also, it was like international day of prayer. That was a very normal thing, but we all were like quiet and had to like go pray and stuff. Um, but there was also like a grace, like there was like a fundraiser week or whatever. I can't remember. I don't, I can't remember, but I have realized through all of this that it started with men and I'm not trying to like fucking generalize or whatever because it kept going. It started with men just wanting to rule and control and get as much money as they could. Money ended up because of the religious like they could they could go into spaces that Mennonites couldn't. So that's why I think it got a little out of hand. Cause they were like, oh, we can broadcast broad <laughs> we can broadcast to all of Omaha, Nebraska and say, hey, we're running a Christian college and gee golly, we want to keep your kids safe and come bring your kids here and support us and blah, like. People got, people gave a lot of money. And then tuition just got ridiculous, you know? So I don't know. Um, I, like I said, I will update again when I read through it more. Uh, but the main thing is, is that I didn't really expect this journey. I expected to just kind of like, okay, why, what, why did I go to Grace? Like, what is God? And well, who is God? Like, I don't know. I don't know what I expected. I just, I didn't have any expectations, but this is weird. Um, and here we are. Uh, I feel that I kind of need to give a little me story as to like more of a, more of a me. So I'm probably going to do it more because through every reading I'm learn I'm remembering things and stuff. So I grew up, um, fully knowing that I was on my own. I fully consciously did not tell my parents things because I knew they couldn't handle it at seven years old earliest memory of doing that was five I have been fully like that abandonment feeling since birth I was born a twinless twin twin was taken away five hours after birth I was, like, in an incubator for, like, so long. Like, a year, almost. And then my grandma really was the one that was the only one that was around in the very beginning and kind of raised me in that time. So I just kind of, like, learned how to figure shit out on my own. <laughs> I don't know. 
having like death after death and traumatic experience after traumatic experience in my childhood, um, I really felt and thought like God is the answer. Because when I was 16 years old, okay, so 16, 16th birthday, January, that's when I got drunk for the first time. Fast forward to March, just three months later, I learned what vodka was, drank a whole bottle of it, came home, got grounded for a year. So um, they let me go to church. And I found out about the youth pastor at the time. Hang on, I'm looking for this because I just found it. And I wanted to... Okay. Oh, and there was a picture. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. So, they were these humans. I feel like I need to show the picture first, so hang on. There were these humans that um, I guess I want to even say like loved me for the first time or shown interest, shown, shown that they, let's just even say listened to me. Mm, that's sad. Um, But they took a special interest in me and I know that and I've always wondered what they've like, if I could talk to them now, oh my God. Uh, and I just told the story the other day that um, I know I was grounded because I was grounded for that whole year, but my parents would let me go to church. So grounded was take phone away, take music, take like they took everything away. I remember at this one point and I remember saying this to the youth group leader, like I just got my CD player back. I'm so fucking excited. And I remember the look on his face when he was like, what are you talking about? You just got your CD player back. And I was like, oh, I'm grounded for a year. I don't have a door. I don't have a TV. I don't have a CD player. Sometimes they took my books. I don't have a phone. And I, the, his face was just like... That was the first time I realized that my parents weren't normal. <laughs> but... <clears throat> They told me this story later, what they did, because they were so funny about it. But just like mental picture of this. I lived in, this was in my tiny little town. It was like a street and then it was a cul-de-sac at the end. Um, So I lived on the, not in the cul-de-sac, but whatever. So they went all the way through, lights off, all the way through, dark out, and turned into here with the lights off to right in front of um, our house with their lights off and snuck up to the porch and slid a CD, a Reliant K CD with this note on it. And I had this note hanging in my fucking bedroom and room, every dorm room, like for so long. Um, because no one has ever been, no one, no one's ever been that nice to me. Um, but they later told me they're like, yeah, we were like spies. We were trying really hard not to get like they were just realizing how silly it was to punish me. And I didn't ever see that perspective ever in my life. And for someone to just be like, this is so silly that they're being so overreactive. And here, just have some fun Jesus music 
maybe that'll make you happy. But anyways, it says, Claire, I hope you enjoy. We are praying with you and for you. Keep your eyes and heart looking towards heaven. You are awesome. We love you. So yeah, they did show me love. Okay. <laughs> Oh, so that's why I wanted to go to school to be a youth pastor, because I was all like, these people changed my life. I want to do that for other people. This is the only picture I had of them. That was Julia. That was Dane. This is a cornerstone. Oh, one. Yes. I guess this; those were the first time I ever felt those feelings, and that was a big deal to me, um, just being seen and supported, loved, whatever. Um, so, like, I kind of felt like Jesus was like that, because that was my introduction. And then we went to Cornerstone, like, right away. Like, this was in... March, April, May, like somewhere around there. Cornerstone was in July. And we went to Cornerstone and I remember being like, oh my God, this is the fucking coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. We were all scurvy for nine days in the middle of the fucking whatever. But I met so many creative people so many different kinds of humans who loved jesus there were people that had humongous mohawks there were people that like rode unicycles that were like super tall they were called scallywags Crusty punks, punk music in general, metal. <clears throat> I was introduced to everything, and it was all Jesus. So, when I signed up to go to Grace University, that's what I thought I was signing up for. I mean, yes. I just had a crazy memory going to my head. Yes, I had had like normal people in my youth group. But these were all people that when I went to school with. So those were all just normal people. That's who I was surrounded with. The memory that just popped into my head, I just remember that one of my friends fell through the, the ceiling in that church one time. She broke her back. It was a whole thing. I don't know why she we were playing hide and seek. Um. Anyways. So I was so excited to go to school, so excited to live with people that could love me. That's what I went into grace. And then you saw the Welcome Week story. That's what I was met with. Um, I realized that I did go from being fully monitored at my parents' house, like, um, meaning fully monitored to the point where like I was on my cell phone and they had a like scanner like a police scanner thing in the garage and um every time I was on my phone or like even if it was like our teen line or a different phone or whatever 
they could pick up a phone and always hear my conversation. Or if it was my cell phone, they could hear it on the scanner. So I never had privacy. So going to Grace, I felt so fucking free. I was like, oh my God. No wonder I threw my cell phone away so many times. Like, I really did. I was so like, let me be free, you know? But anyways, I had no privacy at all. They took the door, like, whatever. And then going to Grace, I was told that I had a curfew. I think it was like 9 or 10. I can't remember. But um, I had a job and work was was until 10 so they hated this because I had to get permission to come home later. And like sometimes I wouldn't come home or something because I would stay out or I would go to a concert, stay the night at somebody else. I don't fucking know. Um, but we had like key cards we had to like clock in and they caught on to that. So then they were like, okay, you have to come home by this certain time of after you get off of work. And they planted an RA this poor RA, whoever it was on duty, they had to come down and watch me walk in the door because I had broken the rules so many times that sometimes I had somebody scan my card when they walked in. Sometimes I, blah, 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 whatever. Well, um, so then I was defeated with that. Then I started working in housekeeping. <laughs> and I just started sneaking out. So I didn't care. Um, and they never caught on to that. Um, they didn't have cameras. They didn't have any. So I would just go out a back door and unlock. And when I came back in that back door, like nobody ever knew. Um, let me see here. But yeah, so that was like the freest I've ever felt in my whole life. And, like, just the sneakiness of me trying to figure that out felt so easy in my head. So, to me, it didn't feel wrong because that wouldn't have slid at home, you know? But I knew I could get away with it at Grace, so that's why I did it. And I wanted to because I deserved to. But anyways, when I was done at Grace, like, this is going to be a whole other podcast or whatever. I don't know. I really, I went through a couple years of my life where I was like, I'm not mad at God. I know that. I am just mad at the people. Because I was at a church, like this was stuff that happened to me. I was at a church, Brookside, huge church. The pastor was up on the stage, pointed to me in the crowd, and said that I had to leave. I had been kicked out of my youth groups. I I was kicked out of so many classes. <laughs> Every single person, except for my close little knit of misfit friends that 
you're all going to meet. <laughs> um, every single person was against me. And it didn't make sense because everything that I was learning about God was telling me that God hung out with the homeless. God hung out with the abandoned, the, the people that were like me. So I had a really hard time because I was like, I can't. And still to this day, I'm going to be 100% honest because I just recently asked my friend if I could go to church with her if I wanted to. Like, I just, you know, well, what, what do you think about that? <laughs> I don't think I've been to a church since then. I know I've been to a lot of funerals and weddings and all that, but I don't think I've been to a church because the people are wrong. And I, that's all I knew for a lot of years. And it took me a couple years, like right after to like really kind of even see that because coming out of it, there was a lot of anger and a lot of, well, drinking. I started drinking. Yep. And smoking weed at 21. 21 is when I started drinking and smoking weed again. But then I was attacked and was on bed rest for three and a half years. Got addicted to the oxy. And then my best friend died and I started seeing dead people. And then there was no way in my head that God, nope, the church wanted anything to do with me because I talked to dead people. Oh, I've been told that. I get sent shit. I get sent so much shit in the mail. Like just stupid fucking flyers that people are supposed to send out because it's a fucking requirement for their stupid fucking church so you can save the psychics. Because we're so dangerous. Save the witches. Sad thing is, is they didn't try to ever save me. They didn't ever fucking listen to me. That's the thing that I found out that was wrong about the truth. So, I'm going off. <clears throat> Sorry, Reiki. Spirits started coming. There was no turning it down. I was in a big relationship right after Grace. That was, I had no fucking idea what I was doing. And then the next big relationship was me going into my awakening a little bit more. And he was young. I, we were both young. I mean, I didn't know what I was doing. I was going through my awakening. Like, I had no, <laughs> yeah. But. Just since then, just in general, since 2012, because that's when I started the Reiki and spiritual journey. Um, it's been crazy. I feel like I have kind of been in survivor mode a lot of the time, except for when I lived in Omaha. Um, it didn't really feel like I 
had to worry about it so much. I mean, yes, like I said, I got mail all the time at the studio from so like handwritten letters from old ladies telling me that I'm the devil and all this stuff, you know? So I was affirmed over and over and over all throughout these 20 fucking years that the church hates me. So I've never thought to even look into it until recently. Um, and I don't even know what, like, it was because I started having dreams. Remember, this is what this whole thing started about. Ah. So <clears throat> I'm going into my, like, understanding with my adult life right now and really kind of seeing how, this is a lot of feelings, guys. Get Here's your warning. <laughs> I'm having such, like, a deep sadness for myself because I was so neglected and abandoned and cast aside and never really listened to. Especially by people that I really tried to, <laughs> or were supposed to, you know? Uh... I had to build my own fucking foundation, had to figure everything out on my own. And I have a fucking wall that's all bricks and pebbles and whatever in here. And my foundation is fucking sturdy, but it's mine. It's all mine. I know what I fully believe in. I know what the churches believe in. I know what each denomination believes in. I know what different world religions believe in. I know a lot. There's also a lot that I don't know. Like, let's be real. I'm not sitting here saying I'm a fucking whatever. But I... I don't ever want to hate. And that was one thing that I fully left grace knowing and preaching that I believe in love that if I am love I will get love I will give love that's all that's all I focused on I didn't know what else to do every other square peg round hole thing nothing was working relationships weren't working everything so i had to figure it out it's been hard it's been really fucking hard addictions all kinds of shit was in there those were all those square pegs i've always kind of known that there was a higher power but oh yeah oh this mm. i've always known that there's a higher power Coming from Grace, I moved into an apartment with one of a person, a person from Grace's sister to whom was somebody in the scene, the hardcore scene with me, the underground hardcore Christian scene. Let's be real. <laughs> uh, and I moved in with her. And I and I had were I was working like almost across the street at Dial America. Selling Playboy magazines. That's what I did when I worked at Grace University. That's what I did for a living. Um, <clears throat> using my voice. <laughs> I was, I was, I was hanging out with this guy. His name's Adam Hawkins. If you guys don't know who he is, you can look him up. He was in a band called It's True. Uh, literally 
fucking amazing, beautiful, amazing, beautiful man. But he held up a cigarette box. And I'm going to do it with gum. And he was like, let's pretend that this is God. You believe in Jesus. This person that's sitting over here believes in Allah. This person right here, I believe in the flying spaghetti monster. This person over here believes in the devil. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. We're on the same team. We don't need to be fighting. That's not what it's about. So that's something that I learned right away coming out of grace that, oh my God, one of his songs, uh, it said, I may not have the faith of a mustard seed in it. And I remember as just coming out of grace, hearing that and being like, that's the whole fucking thing. Like, okay, let me just do it because that's, we're doing this together. <clears throat> Okay, it is Matthew 17, 20, 21. For I truly tell you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say this, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing, nothing will be impossible for you. So if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. So I remember like really learning that when I was at Grace and thinking about that, but then like even taking it down to the tiniest little, like just him drunk as fuck laying on my fucking bedroom floor with a guitar singing this song to me. Just, he didn't ever sing to really anybody else, I don't think. And he just started singing this shit to me. I don't re remember if he did. I know that I was the one that just started like, Go to shows here. Let's have this show. Let's and I I started working with the production company. It was a whole thing. Um, but that song opened my eyes so much to understand that it doesn't the fucking church building doesn't matter. If I still believe that there's something there, if I still believe in God, believe in Jesus, believe in whatever, I'm good. So I just turned my back away from it for a very long time. Not really turning it away. Like, I couldn't. There was a lot. <laughs> oh, this is so funny. Even when I very first started um, doing Reiki, it was hard for me because I gotten kind of like programmed when I was at Grace. Uh, I think it was probably because I was a youth pastor. But to pray, we had to say, oh, Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so much for being, but like, say it like that. Oh, Heavenly Father, God, like that. Um, when I started doing Reiki to open the Reiki initiation and to kind of like open the energy, um, we are supposed to pray and that never went away. I still do it. I still will be like, Oh, good morning, God. Like, oh, good morning, Heavenly Father God. I welcome you to this day. And thank you for bringing all of my angels and my guides and my dead people and any other dead people that I will come in contact with today. Thank you. And help me to have an amazing day. Restore all of my energy. And 
let's have a blessed and abundant day. And so it is. That's how I pray now. <clears throat> it's so sad because I have so many people thinking that I like do spells and like hexes and whatever and no, I don't care. Waste of time. I had went to Fremont in my elementary years. So from kindergarten to the second, like the first semester of sixth grade. Um, because my parents moved me at Christmas time in sixth grade because I was I was talking back too much. Because we had this teacher. Her name was Mrs. Dieter. <laughs> Seriously. Um, and she hated me and I talked back to her and I've always had a problem with authority, Aquarius, and especially women. I don't know fully what that's about. Probably mama, mommy issues. Um, but I would correct her because she was wrong and I would get sent to the fucking principal's office. So my parents thought that I was going to do drugs and they moved to Mead, Nebraska to a farm outside in the middle of nowhere. I went from living in the same house from kindergarten to sixth grade to moving out in the middle of nowhere. And the first person that we made friends with who lived like a block, like a hundred mile block away from us, died. Tragically. <laughs> I had a cow, I had chickens, I had animals. Like, no wonder... I've recreated that. That was my safety by myself. Um, I've always known the animals. It's sad that I'm saying this out loud, but whatever, this is my reality. Um, I've only ever felt loved from an animal. And I've only fully probably loved an animal. When my therapist was always asking me, like, okay, think of, like, all right, this love from this person, like that it's going to heal you or whatever. Um, I, I wrote it like Mabel in my head, my dog. I said something there was, I, and I don't remember if I brought this up in a podcast or not, but there was something that came up this weekend where I was talking about, um, have you ever had, and I even asked this to Dakota too, um, do you ever have this, that person, like you always knew that there was someone to fall back on, that you had, you had something to fall back on if you needed it. And I'm like, Cho, my husband, he's like, yep, I, my parents and Dakota at first was like, no, I don't think so. But then I like her mom, you know, uh, I literally have never felt that. So 
that was something that I have had a, a big realization through doing all of this that I had to fucking fight so much and work so goddamn much to get where I am. No wonder I'm like, I'm so tired. I don't want to do this, people. I don't want to. Like, I had three jobs when I was in high school and was homeless. Most people that are in high school don't even have jobs. Okay. <clears throat> so. Okay, I forgot to go into this. <laughs> okay, so the whole Fremont thing is saying, like, I went to Fremont, so I was exposed to a bigger city in that time. Therefore, like, my best friend was um, an African-American male when I was in kindergarten. Uh, I, like, I, I had friends of that. Like, it wasn't that big of a deal. So moving to Mead, going to a very small school of class of 20, um we barely had any diversity at all then going to grace where it was required to have diversity i remember i don't even know what to say like i remember being so like hmm I felt as if I could relate to the the minorities the most because we were always alone. I think people were scared of us. I know people were scared of me. I don't know what they felt about them, any about anybody else, but a lot of the time that I did sit with and hung out with the minorities. And I did get very close with a lot. Like, I don't know. I, and I don't know why I felt the need to kind of say that. But I have to, I want to kind of be transparent to know that, like, I came from very sheltered, even though it was not that kind of sheltered. It was way fucked up other shelters, you know? Um so, so many cool things were happening for me at the time. Like, I have memories of when I was doing housekeeping and cleaning in the chapel. And there was a, a kid that went to school there. His name is Ravon. And he was playing the piano in the chapel because it was like the downtime and it was when he could practice or something. I don't know. Maybe he just wanted to. I don't fucking know. But I remember there were times where he would just like shout out and start talking to me and stuff. And I was like, oh my God, they're the only, the, the, he was the only person that actually like talked to me instead of like at me or required to talk to me. Ugh. So yeah, going back to that, that's all empathy. I felt empathy from him, from who we're gonna meet later this week and so going through this time I'm realizing that that was something that was a very big part of my life at that time that I didn't realize um and 
we're going to tell the story of how I ended up with my roommate and stuff. But, um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, this is going to be long. It's probably going to be two parts. I don't know, but this is all my bullshit and I'm going to stop there because we're at an hour. I love you all. Thank you for listening. Okay. Bye.